Praise the Lord. It's a, it's a great... Um, bless the boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bless the boys and the girls. <laughs> it's a great... It's a great um, it's a great joy to be to be to be here. Um, I sound like a guest or something. I'm here. I'm here every week. Um, but every time, I, every time I, I kind of, every time I come here, I just, I don't know. It's hard to put it into words. But I just sense such a like an embrace and an acceptance in my spirit. And. It's not necessarily to do with the bricks and mortar, but there's a welcoming. There's a welcoming amongst us. And there's a hospitality in the house of God that's so important, isn't it? And I think that's how God welcomes us in that same manner, that he welcomes home, just like the prodigal son who'd gone far off. He put his arms around him. He welcomed him back home when when he had strayed away from his father's house. It's a special place, um, and there's a special, there's something special in the gathering together of the believers, and there's something so, so special when we come together. And, you know, my heart is that, that people wouldn't think they can just go alone and just do it their, their own way with God, that they would understand the significance and the strength that comes when you, you know that you're a part of the body of Christ, you know that you have a place, you know that you've, you're home amongst God's people. There's a great strengthening that we have when we're with one another. There's an empowerment. God puts a special blessing on us gathering together. Um, bless the Lord. I just want to just, just go with it this morning. We, we were out on the street yesterday. We, we You know, Going out on the streets is not always easy. You know, I'm being honest. It's not always easy. But we really do need to come together to pray and to support one another in the areas of ministry. And I was speaking to Andrew about this just before we started the meeting. The, um, the danger is sometimes I think we can think we have a ministry area and we become an isolated. We become isolated in that. However, we must stand with one another in what we believe we're called to do and we're called to be. So we're not just on our own and we're not just doing it. It's a good, I had a great sense on the street yesterday and during the prayer times that I wasn't standing alone. That were people standing in faith with us. There wasn't, we, we didn't have loads at the prayer meeting, but we had, a, we had a nice little number. But my point is that we, we knew we were standing together with other believers and, and in that place, there's great security, there's great strength, and there's an empowerment. And I think it's something that we could, if we could grasp, grasp this, this truth, that we stand beside one another, and we strengthen one another, there's something very powerful that can take place amongst us. Yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was great. We, I, 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 I could see the difference, really, from other times you know, where I've been out on the street and, 
you know, I've, I've found it hard. I mean, sometimes it is really hard and sometimes it's easier. But I know the difference and I can sense the difference when we put prayer behind what we do. And prayer is such a significant factor to our walk with God. Um, I can't really stress how important it is for us to pray with one another and to stand beside one another. Bless the Lord. Um, I want to look at Second Peter today. And we're going to go the first chapter, chapter 1. Let me just pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you your word is true. Father, I need a special grace on me this morning. Help me in this time right now to deliver your word. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've given us this morning. Help me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I think... We have lots of different ideas. I think when I, talk, when I speak this, I'm speaking as a general, general, in a general sense. I think there's lots of Christians on the earth today and there's lots of different, there's mass media everywhere. There's so many different teachers. You can just click a button and find a whole range of different ideas, thoughts, opinions, interpretations of different texts, different this, different that. And I think there's a great danger that we can become confused in this day. We need something that is certain and true if we're going to stand Otherwise, there's a danger that you're shifted around by every wind of doctrine the scripture teaches about. Because anything can come your way. How do you discern? How do you know what is truly true? And there's two things. There's the word and the spirit. These two here give us great indication of what is true. And what is true also for you as an individual and as a person. We can't just afford to just go on whatever we feel sometimes because that can be very flaky. I think it's really important that we have something certain in this time, something true and something solid and something certain. Because there's there's one thing that really, I've got a bit of a spiritual bee in my bonnet. And it's this this stuff where everything becomes a bit flaky. And what I mean by that, everything becomes a bit uncertain. And I don't like it, particularly when people put something so obscure and uncertain on people and they don't really know where they stand or whether they're coming or going, spiritually speaking. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because there's no... You know, the things of God are secure, they're strong, they're testable, and they're eternal. They're not flaky, not here one minute and gone the next. His word is everlasting to everlasting. He wants us to have something secure to base our spiritual life upon. This is solid stuff what I'm talking to you about. It gets you out of this thing where there's an uncertainty. There must be something certain about your spiritual life in God. And this is so important here. And I'm just going to read from Second Peter, chapter 1. Let me just start from, from, from verse 2. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain 
to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us according to his glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now I'm just going to just pause there for a second because the rest of the verses that, that, that follow this link up to these previous verses here. If you could take chapter 1, you know, this first part of chapter 1 um, all the way down to 16, it has a flow to it. There's a, there's a context that runs throughout the whole of this chapter. And I think, I think the error comes often um, in many Christians' lives is where they, they pluck out verses and they're used to hearing verses, but they don't fit the verses in the flow of the text. And you often find that you can, if you take a verse, if you take a verse, you can make anything out of a particular verse you want if you really try hard enough and you can apply it to any situation you want. And sometimes it's not always the case. We can't just pluck out verses and throw verses around um, just because it fits a certain thing that we think it should fit in. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not like that. There's a witness of the Holy Spirit in our spirits to these great truths of God. And here we find in this text here is like concentrated goodness. It's just compounded with great truths and goodness. And I just wanted to unpack this just a little bit here. Just for a moment. Bless the Lord. Now, I just want you to remember just for a second, because this is Peter writing this truth here. This is Peter the fisherman. Peter the fisherman has become Peter the apostle. Peter the fisherman was different from Peter the, the, the Apostle. Now just bear that in mind, just for a second. And this is the same Peter. This same Peter, he sank when he got out of the boat. Mind you, he was the first to get out, he was the only one to get out of the boat. So we've got to give him some credit. But he was impetuous. Peter was impetuous. Impetuous means he just simply rash, he just quick to do something. He was very spontaneous, he would just rush into things without thinking things through. This is what the natural man is like. And when you see the Peter here, you have a picture of the new life, and you also get a sense of what it was like for Peter before he became a new creation in Christ. When he wasn't Peter, as you know, the apostolic, in the apostolic sense, he was Peter the fisherman. But Peter the fisherman made a few mistakes. And we can, a lot of us can empathise with Peter, but I think we should more um, relate and identify ourselves with the, with the new Peter rather than the old Peter. Because it's healthy to relate your Christian experience to the new man rather than the old life. It's a healthy thing to do. Lots of people preach out of the mistakes which you can learn from. But don't identify yourself with the old, with the old Peter all the time. Identify yourself with the new man, the new Christ that lives within you. It says, the scripture says, Christ in me is the hope of glory. Praise the Lord. But he's the one that denied Peter. He denied him three times. He cut off a man's ear. He was used by the enemy. And when he, when he said to the Lord, oh, you're not to go to Jerusalem. He said, get behind me, Satan. He said this to Peter. This is the same Peter. The same Peter that writes this epistle before us. The Lord said them things to you. When I think about things like that, I think there's hope for everyone. 
Why would the Lord call close to him someone who had so many flaws? No, he didn't call him according to his credentials. He called him according to his glory. And your starting place needs to be right as a Christian. You need to be sure that you're of, you're of the cord and you're elect, that you're saved, that you're born again. Now it talks about in verse 3, it says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to a life of godliness. Let's just pause there. His divine power, verse 3, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to a life of godliness. Just pause just for a second and we'll carry on because we're going to flow with it a little bit like an exposition. All things, his divine power, all things to a life, not just your salvation, to a life, to live out a life of godliness. You cannot, as Peter knew, he couldn't do it in himself. He failed many times. If anyone's qualified to write this, it's Peter. Peter was qualified because he knew the power on Pentecost. He knew he was flawed. I, you know, we could go back through the different scenarios in the Gospels. I'm not going to go through that now, but most of you know how Peter made mistakes. But on Pentecost... Everything changed. He'd become the apostle. The fisherman become an apostle. Everything changed. It's only by his power. Many Christians are trying themselves. They try, try, try so hard. And they find themselves getting trapped. And they feel like they wriggle and they can't get out sometimes. This is born-again Christians sometimes. And they feel like they can't live the godly life. Many will say, yes, they're saved by grace. But when it comes to living the life, they find they're lacking constantly. Now, I want to just give you something just to help you here. Understand how to live out that life as a Christian. I want to give you something this morning. If you struggle living out the life, you may be born again, saved by faith, by the blood of Jesus. You know your sin's been forgiven, but you struggle on a daily basis. I want to give you something here to help you. It's his divine power. Always remember that. It's his divine power given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now watch this. Through, this is the means, through the knowledge of him who called us according by his glory and virtue. Okay, now let's just stop at the first bit, all right? It's through the knowledge of him. It's through the knowledge of him. This is the means. This is how. It's through the knowledge of him. Now, what do I mean knowledge? Is it just storing up lots of information in your mind? No, I'm not necessarily talking that. Lots of people know a lot of stuff that doesn't mean to say they walk in godliness, does it? Let's be honest. There's lots of people that can tell, know the Bible a lot better than me. They can quote it back to front, upside down, round the corner and up the road. But it doesn't mean to say you walk in power. So what does it actually mean? Well, the knowledge is the knowing of what is written. It's the knowing of what is written. Now, how do we know that? How do I link the two? Well, if you continue. Now, part of that knowledge is that he's called us by his glory and virtue. Through the knowledge of him 
who has called us by his glory and virtue. That links, that flows. Now watch this. Verse 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Now this is all part of this knowledge. These exceedingly great and precious promises. How do we know? How do we know the promises of God? Well, we know them by his word. We know them by studying. And I think in particular, he's talking about the the promises that concern the new covenant. The new covenant promises. The promises that were given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's through the knowledge... This is, the goal is the godliness. Remember that. The goal is the godliness. How do we get to that point? It's through the knowledge of him. This is why it's important that when we, when we do these Bible studies, we look at Christ, and it's through that knowledge of him. We get a knowing. It's something spiritual. It's something spiritual here. This is a spiritual knowing through what, what is written here. And in particular, he's talking about the promises. The promises. And he says these exceedingly great. Now there's an emphasis. It's a great, great promise that he gives us. A great promise. So many promises. But we're going to look at one in particular in just a minute. Exceedingly great promises. And they're precious. So precious. That through these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Now that's a key. So that through these, it's relating to the promises. So you've got to know what they are. Yeah? You've got to discover what these promises are. And that through these, you can be a partaker of that divine nature. This is the new covenant what we're talking about. We are a new creation in Christ. A new person, a new creation in Christ. Bless the Lord. This helps us partake of what God has freely given to us. This divine nature. And if you could, if you could liken it to a coin, there's two sides to this. Okay? This partaking of this divine nature. It says after this, just after that, it says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So there's two sides to this coin. There's a partaking of the divine nature and there's the escaping of the world and its lusts. It shows us this passage of how and the means by which we enter, we receive this great power, this divine power now, I just want to just go on down the page just a little bit and we'll just pick up from here because this follows, okay? Verse 5. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound... You will, neither, you will be neither barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he 
was cleansed from his old sins. Now, this is talking about a Christian. That he was cleansed from his old sins. He says, this, the person who lacks this is the lacking. The lacking. But he relates it to forgetting. Forgetting. Now watch this. Verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Now this is, the, this is the key here. Because this text here, it follows what we've just previously written. We can't, we can't do these things unless we have his divine nature. Otherwise, this part contradicts the first part. But it's like a cycle. It's a circle. It's, it all relates. This bit relates to the first bit. Okay? And the first bit relates to this bit here. We can't live out of ourselves a godly life. But it's, it's his divine power. But that relates to the knowledge of him and his promises. Amen. Is everyone with me this morning? Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah? It's good if you have a Bible, because then you could read it through with me. There are some Bibles at the back, but I don't want you all to get out now, so it's okay. <laughs> For next time. But remember, the goal is a life of godliness. God wants us to walk in godliness. And this, isn't not, this is not a law thing. I'm not just putting law on you. I want to show you how these things work, if you feel that you're lacking. And I go back to Bible study. We're having some fantastic Bible studies at the moment. But we're looking, at, we're looking at the new man, we're looking at the new life, we're looking at the life of God, we're looking at the new covenant, we're looking at what it means to be crucified with Christ, to be um, a new creation in Christ. We're looking at all these different um, facets of the Christian life. And they're, they're, all these things hold these keys. And, and, and in particular, the promises of God, it's almost as if they shine a light in your heart. I remember coming a couple of weeks ago, I come out of a Bible study, and we was, looking at the, we was looking at the promise, which is Isaac, and the life of the Spirit, which is of faith. And something just, just clicked inside me, and it was almost like as if everything just lit up. And I remember coming out, I remember coming out of that, that study, I was driving my car, and it was almost like everything in me it just completely just shifted. It just shifted in me. And I felt the Lord say to me, he said, my promises are like shafts of light. They're certain. They're true. And they change you. They're like shafts of light. They're unshakable. They're so solid and they're so secure for you. They change you. But the key is that we've got, to, we've got to find out what they are and we've got to keep them in the forefront of our Christian life. We've got to keep focused on these things and it's really important that Christians stays, stays focused, that we do, not, we do not forget. The interesting thing is it relates the people that lack here to forgetting. And also, he encourages them he said, be sure of your election. Make it diligent, your call, and your election, and be sure of it. Now, you don't call yourself. God calls you. 
We know that, because it tells us that in other places of the scripture. It's godly with legs. But you have to be sure. You don't want to be sure... You don't want to be sure of something that's not true. You want to be sure because it's true and it's for you. If you know it's for you and you're sure of that, there's a great strength in that place. It's a great strength. So it's, he says, he encourages, he says, make your election. Be diligent, brethren. But even more, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things... You will never stumble. You will never stumble. So it relates it back up to the top. I think this is directly related to the promises of God. This part here. I believe it's like a cycle. If you come back to the promises of God, he talks about the cleansing of old sins. It doesn't say they, they, haven't, they haven't been cleansed from their old sins. It says they have forgotten they've been cleansed. From their old sins. That's what it says. It says they're forgotten. They're lacking because they've forgotten they've been cleansed from their old sins. And this is why I see so much power in communion because it brings back to remembrance. We remember, we recall, we revisit the fact that Jesus has taken our sins. Jesus paid the price for our sin. He paid the debt, because the wages of sin earned us death, so he paid the debt. He forgave us our sins, he's removed our sins, and he, the Bible talks about him purging our sins. So there's a purification process that takes place in our lives as a believer. That's where the power is. The power is in the blood, and to recall and not to forget to live the godly life. Make your election sure. Know that it's true. There's a great conviction that comes upon me when I read the promises of God sometimes. When I read through the Bible and I look at certain passages, there's a witness that testifies, and that's the Holy Spirit. He witnesses with my spirit and says, that's true and that's for me. Does everyone hear what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit is a witness to these words and says, that's for me, that's true, that's for me. That's the certainty what I'm talking about. Do you understand? In Romans, it talks about the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit and says we are children of God. And we cry, Abba, Father, it becomes personal. Like You can read the pages, but look for the witness of the Holy Ghost in your life. Look for the personal witness that says this word, that's for me, that's mine. You can store a lot of stuff in your head, but it doesn't mean to say it has power. There's a witness, there's something that comes alive, and there's a great witness. It's personal to me now. I know there's a witness. I am a child of the King. I am a child of God. Why? Because the Holy Ghost has witnessed that this word is for me and it's true and it's solid. That's where the power is to live the godly life. It's found in the knowledge of this word through the knowledge of him. His divine promises. That we are the elect of God. We need to know we are the elect of God. You need to know it in a personal way. Take hold of it. Cling to it. Have it at the forefront of your spiritual life. Don't forget 
that he has forgiven you of your sin. I know you might think this is elementary sort of things, but that's there. It's in that place. It's where the power lies to live the godly life. And this is why communion is so powerful when we have communion with the Lord and we have communion with one another. We remember the shedding of the blood, the breaking of the body. It's a covenant. It's a promise. This is what we're talking about, these promises. These promises here that he speaks about, these precious promises. Because in that, out from that place, we live out them following verses here. And this is why he says, some of you have forgotten that you've been cleansed. It's not that you're, you're not being cleansed, it's you've forgotten. The power's in realising it, recalling it, looking at it, realising it. Getting a witness, that's true. You need to, it needs to be a witness in your Christian life for the Holy Ghost, witnessing in your personal life, according to the word. And this is what I'm saying to you. What I'm saying to you is not, it's not flaky. It doesn't leave you high and dry. What if, what, where am I? I don't know where I'm going. I want something solid. I want you to live in something solid. And it says those who, those who do these things, they will not stumble. It relates to it. It relates to not stumbling, not lacking, not stumbling. There's a great power. There's God's divine power that flows through the knowledge of these promises. It's, it's incredibly powerful. I can't put more of an emphasis and importance on what I'm teaching you and what I'm showing you in this text here. This is the power to live the godly life and how and the means by which you walk out a godly life. It's so important. I can't put more of an in emphasis on it this morning for you. Because I know, if you're anything like me, I've, you know, I've struggled at times in my own Christian life. And I've found some, real, some keys here that just unlock absolutely everything. And you know, when you get home, just read over it, meditate on it, think about what I said, and talk, you know, listen. Read it. Look through the word. Find the sure promises of God. Because from that place, we find our godly, the, the, godly, the power to live out the godly life. It's through knowing, knowing him through this word. Bless the Lord. So if you consider a promise, now I thought about this the other day, and if I kept saying to my son something, bless him, I kept saying, this is going to happen, you're going to do this, and I don't do it, what do you think would happen? After a period of time, he, would, he probably wouldn't believe me, would he? Like, after a period of time, he'd start to think, well, he hasn't done it then, and he's not going to do it then, over a period of time. At first, he has a lot of hope, but then he feels let down, and no one likes to be let down, especially by their dad, you know? Or someone to say something all the time, and you don't ever follow it through and do it, do you? So the strength of the promise is as strong as the person who makes the promise. If the person always lets you down and, and doesn't do it, then, then, then what is that? You feel let down, don't you? But how true and how strong and how awesome is God? We've been doing a study on the character and the nature of God, that God is true. 
and God is faithful. And what it does, it actually grounds you in such a way that you know that when God has said something, he shall do it. He's not a man that he should lie. So what he says and what he promises is a certain thing. Is a certain thing. Amen. Amen. I want us just to turn to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, 15. Hebrews 10, 15. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is my new covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is no remission for these, there is no longer an offering for sin. So that part is to do the, the old covenant. Okay? So there's no need to continue in the old sacrifices because Christ was the once and for all sacrifice. He will remember our sins and our lawless deeds no more. Therefore, brethren, verse 19, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the vow that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Now watch that, full assurance of faith. This is important. Full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Bless the Lord. And that's the knowledge of our evil doings, the evil conscience. Having our, the sprinkling of the blood on our conscience. This is a wonderful truth. This is a new covenant. This is so good. Let our bodies be washed with the pure water. Often it talks about the water of the word, the washing of the word. We speak about the washing of the word. It produces a purification to us. It's such, such a, an amazing truth. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Because our hope is based upon him. It's not a hope so, but it's a certain hope. Because the character, the one that gives us these promises, is sure and true. It's a certain hope. Amen. Without wavering, for he who promised, here it is, here it is. for he who promised is faithful. For he who has promised these things to us as born again believers is faithful. Amen. So here we see the promise and we see the character of God. The character is the one, the faithful one, the faithful God has set these promises out for us. And in these precious promises, I think these are the promises that Peter's talking about, these precious promises, the knowledge of these certainties. Why is it so certain? It's because God said it. And God told us it through his word. When someone tells you something, you're often thinking sometimes in the back of your mind, is he really going to do that? Or, you know, it's based upon the character of the person. The certainty comes, doesn't it? You often think, if the person is quite faithful, 
and they're true to their word, then you say, oh, they're probably going to do it. I know that person's probably going to do it. But here it says about the faithful, the faithful one, the one that was promised is faithful. He cannot lie. He's the unchanging one. And what he says is true. What he says is secure. Bless the Lord. And this is the strength of the Christian life here, what I'm talking to you about. This is the strength of the Christian life. It's based on the certainty of what God has said to us. The new covenant. It's a certainty. It's a promise. He's dealt with our sin. He's paid our debt and and he's purged us from our sin. He's cleansed us. This is where the cleansing process comes into our lives. It's through looking at these great truths that we're looking at now. He who has promised is faithful. Hallelujah. Notice at the beginning of this verse, uh, the beginning when I first started reading in verse 15. Just, Just look at that just for a second. Because it says, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. And this is really important. When you read these things, and when you read and you study through the word, be open and look for the witness of the Holy Ghost in your life, in your personal life. It makes everything real to you. It makes it known to you. It makes it secure in you. And it's from that place that our lives are changed. It's from that place that we can stand and we can be secure in what God has done for us. Um, I'm, the reason why I'm kind of I'm, I'm talking about this this morning because um, because it works basically, and it's in the Bible. And what's in the and what's in the Bible is true, and I absolutely believe it. But I want you to have a secure foundation because I think it will benefit you hugely, benefit you. The word of God is so secure and the promises of God are true and they're yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So if you're in Christ, that these promises apply to you. They will stabilise you. I've just bought a bike from his son and he's got these, he's not around, is he a little Christmas present? He's got stabilisers, stabilisers. They stabilise. They stabilise you, they keep you on the right path. They won't, they will keep you from stumbling. Don't forget them. Keep them in your vision, in Jesus' name. Don't waver from them. Keep them. Know that your election is sure. It's for you. Sprinkling the blood, removal of sin, the debt has been paid, the new life in Christ. He's written it in our hearts, in our minds. He remembers your sins no more. Hallelujah. Remember that he remembers them no more. Remember that. And it will keep you on the right road. Bless the Lord. You shall not stumble. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless the Lord.